you started with us. I started on January 1st, and here's the bummer. I had bought all the stuff to make jalapeno poppers, and I didn't make it in time for uh, my fast. And so I made them for the other people who were not fasting. And so I missed out on, you know, jalapeno poppers are like jalapenos with cream cheese, and you wrap it in bacon. The cream cheese was the part I can't have right now. So, anyways, that's a bummer. Uh, but I hope you've started in your fast because uh, I know I have, and I can already tell a difference. I can already feel my sensitivities rising, and I can feel my flesh starting to not like it. You know, that part of you that wakes up in the morning is like, I just want a muffin, <laughs> or I just want a donut. And you start to feel it. But that fasting and prayer is so key. So if you haven't started yet, don't worry. Just jump in tomorrow. And on whatever level you can, I just really encourage you to join in. Especially those of you, maybe you haven't been with us recently and you are watching online. Don't let the physical distance uh, make you feel like, well, that's that's not for me. Or, you know, maybe maybe I don't count or I don't matter. No, you definitely do. And fasting provides such an amazing opportunity for breakthrough and for answered prayers. And I can't explain all of it. Scripture doesn't even explain all of the reasons why fasting breaks things open in our lives. But it shows the examples time after time of where people would fast. They would pray. They'd call out to God. And he would hear and he would respond to them. So I want to kind of continue on this idea of fasting um, and just in our message this morning. So. If you haven't found it yet, give up because you're not going to find it. But you're looking for the book of Daniel. And I want to start in Daniel chapter 1, actually. And today I want to teach out of the power of your response. The power of your response. And the first thing that I want to talk about, because I think this may be more important than the opposite version of it, but I want to talk about the power of your no. The power of of your no. In other words, a lot of times our culture is built around saying yes. And especially if you're a people pleaser, you like to say yes to people. You don't like to disappoint people. You don't want people to be hurt by you. And so you're, you generally have an inclination to say yes. But I want to show you a couple examples about the power of your actually saying no. Everybody say no. Might be the most powerful word you can use in your life is in o. Shortest word you can say, maybe the most powerful word you can say is saying no. And in Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, uh, we find Daniel, who I exp I've explained a couple times in recent weeks. But Daniel was in a godless, uh, uh, heathen kind of society. They did not believe in the God of Israel. They didn't serve the God of Israel. And here he is being subjected to another king's wishes. So he's brought before the king. The king basically has provided for them all of these foods, and it would be fairly disrespectful to refuse the food. But it says in Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine with which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. In other words, there were all these things that he could have done that others were doing, and Daniel said no. He said no. He said he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Part of fasting and the power of fasting is you make a purpose in your heart. I will not cross 
certain lines. There are certain things that have to be different about me than every other person around me. And let me tell you, this is tough stuff. I am not here to tell you that saying no is the easiest thing to do, but it is one of the most powerful things to do. To say no. No, I will not do what everyone else is doing. I won't step into what culture's pressure is putting on me. I'm going to purpose in my own heart that I will not be defiled. Could you imagine if we had more Christians making decision not to defile themselves with? I'm not just talking about food, and that was Daniel's, but there are a lot of other things that I think we let into ourselves that we don't realize is spiritual junk food. Anybody ever seen that movie? Or Yeah, I think it's a movie, Supersize Me. It's the movie, it's a documentary about a guy who ate, I forgot how many days in a row, but I want to say it was like a month. He ate McDonald's for every meal for a month straight. And by the time he, by the time it was over, he was in the hospital. He was having like liver failure, kidney failure. I mean, he was like, it was bad. Well, you know, I watched the movie and then guess what? I didn't eat McDonald's for literally, I think two or three years. And it was, it was such a devastating movie for McDonald's. They even did away for a while the, you know, the, the literally supersize it. They did away with the bigger cups and drinks and french fries. I mean, it was a devastating blow. But did you know a lot of people supersize other things in their life beyond food? That is literal junk food. Junk food. And if you're not careful, you're going to let all these things into your life. And then you wonder, why do I feel so poorly? Why am I so discouraged? Why am I so... um, Uh, Why am I questioning my faith in God? Why am I questioning my purpose? Why am I questioning my marriage? Why am I questioning my job? Why am I? And you think, why am I doing it? And you don't realize it's directly tied to your diet. Not just your food diet, but I mean, what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you taking in? If you tend to be sometimes an, an insecure person, well, probably the more you look at other people's lives and their awesome Instagram feed and their Twitter feed or their Facebook feed and you see how just amazing their lives are, the more discouraged you're going to be and sometimes a little um, uh, discontent because it's like, oh, I see what they have. Well, guess what? If you lessened that, app- that um, intake of your life, you probably would be more content. You'd probably be more content with the wife you have, the husband you have, the kids you have, the house you have, the car you have, the job you have, because you're not spending your whole day looking at what other people have and you wish you had. And any of us who have been around long enough know that a social media feed is the highlight reel, if that. A lot of it is fake. Sure, it's a, it's a real picture, but I've been in ministry long enough where I've seen people put beautiful family pictures online, and yet I know he beats her. But they all put on their smile and send out their Christmas card, and it looks great. But I know, oh no, their family is a hot mess. But they look great on social media, and they'll get the 100, 200, 500 likes. Right? And if you're not careful, you're going to build your whole life around this appetite of just feeding yourself junk food. Some point you have to tell these junk food things of your soul, no. No. No, I'm not going to eat that junk food anymore. I'm not going to let it into my life. Uh, I'll give you another example. 
it's funny to me that there are people who have a real fear problem and they watch horror movies. And you're like, yeah, you have a fear problem because you watch all these movies where by the end of it, everyone's dead from some random guy who came out of the woods and killed you. Well, no wonder you don't like to put the lights off at night and you have, you know, you double bolt all the doors and you have cameras all over your house. Why? Because you're feeding yourself fear. Or you're reading the books about these things. And then people wonder, I, I just I struggle with anxiety. Yeah, because you're watching movies that would send me over the edge. And I don't even believe in this stuff, you know. Why? It's your, it's your intake. And we need, and I'm just encouraging you over these 21 days, say no. Say no. Another example. Have you ever been around people that by the time you're done talking to them, you are more afraid, more worried, more stressed than when you first started talking to them? Now, don't, you don't have to say yes because maybe they're here. But, you know, there are people where it's like, by the time I was done talking to them, I am stressed out. Well, guess what? Sometimes there are relationships that when they say, hey, you want to go to coffee? You want to meet up for lunch? Sometimes you just need to say no. Come on, everybody say it. Say no. Come on, say it. Say no. No. No, no, thank you. I'm busy. I got other stuff to do, like not be stressed out, not be in fear. The power of no. I want you to also look at Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, same king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand O king but if not let it be known to you O king that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up so there was this again godless king he commanded everybody to worship before this idol that he made and he's they, they've got to bow down and worship him and here are these three jewish boys and they say we're not going to worship your idol well, they knew what was on the line for them. Anyone who didn't worship got thrown into this furnace that was built, a massive furnace, and it was so hot that you couldn't even really stand around it. So what did they do? They said no. No. Even though their lives were on the line, they said no. In other words, there was a priority. There was a, a set of values. There were there were boundaries that were higher than what the king was talking about. And I'm going to tell you right now, there is a lot going on in our culture and society that if we're not careful, we will slip right into idolatry, we'll slip right into godlessness that is being set up by those around us. And we have to live in an awareness that we live in a kingdom that supersedes the United States of America. We live in a kingdom that supersedes cultural trends and what's popular today and all these you know things that are around us and kind of hot topics today if you're not careful you'll get you'll slip right into a worldly mentality and there's a point where you and I are both going to have to say no we will not worship that no we will not come into agreement with that no we will not even if it's not a physical bowing down we will not cower under that and they said no. They said no. So what happened? And I won't go into reading it all. But of course, many of you who've grown up in church, you would have heard 
this story where they were thrown into the fire and in the fire they didn't burn. In fact, they didn't even smell like smoke. And in the fire, it says there was a fourth person with them that had the image of the Son of Man. This is imagery saying that not only did they get thrown in the fire, but God went with them. Someone with the image of Jesus went with them, and they were not burned. They didn't smell like fire. And when they came out, when they opened the door to check on them, even the attendant got burned. It was that hot. So we're not talking about a little bonfire where you're roasting some marshmallows. We're talking about a massive inferno that intended to kill them. Could you imagine, though, had they cowered to fear, had they cowered to the threats of this king, and they would have compromised their entire belief system when they didn't know that God had promised and really offered deliverance for them. See, I'd love to stand and say, 2021 is going to be the best year of your life. Well, I don't know that. I do not know that. It may still be the more challenging year than maybe even 2020. But here's what I do know is that throughout Scripture, God gives a way for his people of deliverance. Every time. Every time. There is a path for deliverance. But sometimes it's preceded, deliverance is preceded some, by some really hard decisions. Some toughies. Daniel was more powerful for his no than his yes. He had more favor with this godless king because he said no to what was being offered to him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were more powerful for their no than for their yes. So I, I want to drive this home because it's like, I feel like this goes countercultural to even some of our personalities. We are so accustomed to being passive. And we live in a culture that, that does not ask for tolerance. It demands tolerance. It demands you will, you will swallow this. You will believe this way. You will think this way. And we live in a culture where it's like, no, you have to bow down. Bow down to this ideology. Bow down to this belief system. Bow down to these, these ways of thinking. And some of us are going to have to get real used to saying no. Trusting God that out of it will become more favor, more power, more authority than when we went into it. Their no distinguished themselves from everyone else. You cannot say yes to everything and please God. I'm going to say that again. You cannot say yes to everything and please God. This goes across the gamut. I'll tell you this. You can't say yes to even me on everything I may ask you to do and please God. Why? Because I'm not accountable for your life and for what you're doing with your life. You're accountable for that. You're accountable for that. So, saying no will take tremendous faith at times. Saying no will take tremendous faith sometimes because sometimes everything in you wants to say yes and, that, and yet the Spirit of God is saying that's not for you. That's not for you. That option is not for you. That loan is not for you. That agreement with that person is not for you. That job is not for you. Well, the Lord, it pays more money. Yeah, it's not for you. 
uh, have you ever been through, maybe this has been in your life, but you've seen other people who they have multiple job opportunities and they just pick which one is going to pay the best. But all you have to do is be around business long enough to know that's not always the best option for a multitude of reasons. But one, you may say yes to the company that pays you more, but that company's about three months old, has no history, and you don't know that you'll have a job in a year. But you might pick one that is pays less money, but is more stable, has a higher trajectory, and maybe God knows that that has a better boss for you than this one over here. You're going to do better under this person than the job that pays better. But a lot of people are just used to saying yes, 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 based on natural human standards. And it's like, no, we can't do that. So sometimes it takes tremendous faith because I'm like you. More money? Yes, I'll take it for sure. For sure, you know. But that's, that's sometimes where you have to say, but I'm more convicted to follow God than to follow money. Jesus preached this. He said, you cannot serve God and money. He said mammon, but that's money. It, you cannot serve God and currency. You will either love the one and hate the other, or you'll hate the one and love the other. You can't do it. So we have to be willing to say no. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. So if you don't activate faith with your responses, you are not pleasing God. And you say, well, God loves me. Yes, he loves you, but that doesn't mean he's always pleased with you. Ouch. No, it's true. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if we're just used to saying, yes, 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 whatever you want, whatever you need, whatever, then, you're, then you are not pleasing God as often as you probably could if you activated faith by sometimes saying no. Daniel's no turned into favor, wisdom, and promotion. I want to speak to anybody who works in the business world. Sometimes your no will be the very thing that you needed for favor and promotion. If you grew up in a survival kind of family, you're, you're going to be more likely to say yes to everything because of fear that if I don't say yes, they're going to let me go. And you don't realize it, but that is not healthy and that will not lead to promotion. You have to be willing to sometimes say, no, there are lines that I won't cross, ethical lines that I won't cross. Things that, that that's not right. No, I'm not going to lie on the taxes. You hear what I'm saying? For me, I'm less impressed a lot of times with people who say yes to things, and I'm more impressed with people who say no to things. Like when I know that someone has genuinely sought God and they'll say no to something that would seem like a great opportunity, I'm more impressed with that. Why? Because there's faith behind it. There's faith behind it. And something in me catches it, and it's like, I, I respect that. I respect that. I respect that. The power of no. The second thing I want to talk about is the one we're more used to, but it's the power of yes. The power of yes. Now, I want you to kind of start this by, by understanding that I don't really see any 
time in scripture where it's okay for you to say no to God. So when I said there's a power of no, those pow the power of no comes into play when you're dealing with human beings. But when God is at work, you better say yes. Come on, when, if God is asking you to do something, no is going to turn out to be a big problem for you. But if God is asking you to do something and you say yes, you will step into a level of promise and favor and uh, really power that you didn't have before. But saying yes to God generally costs you everything. Now, it'll get you everything, but the initial down payment is 100%. You know, we're in the midst of buying a home and our house is being built and all that. Well, you go through the mortgage process and a lot of times you have to put a down payment, right? That's how you come into contract with them is you have some level of funds to put down. See, God expects a down payment. He just expects it all. He says, okay, how much do you have? Okay, yeah, all of that. You're like, no, Lord, a 10%. 10%, 3%. Do you do an FHA loan? Because, you know, like 3.5%, like, will that do? No, 100%. I'll take 100%. And I've seen a lot of Christians who think that God is like their mortgage company. And it's like, well, if I just put 3.5% down, and that's how much I give him, this thing's going to work out real good. No, God expects everything. He expects everything. In Genesis chapter 20, Genesis chapter 20 we find Abraham. Abraham is called our father of faith. Now, this is so significant because Abraham is somebody that you see um, referenced all throughout Scripture. And particularly with the Jewish people, he is called uh, the, the, the father. So it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And gen actually, God would often ref refer as, to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And why is that? Because something happened between God and Abraham that forever changed the course of human history. And where that happened, we're going to see it right here. Is we found, and God, really, God found a man who was willing to give everything, particularly the very thing that his soul so longed for, and that was his only son. Now, this scripture, I don't have time to go into all of it about how it was prophetic, and really it foreshadowed the day when God would give his only son as well in this, this very same place. But I want to focus on Abraham here. In Genesis chapter 20, verse 4, it says, Then on the third day, the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. He's talking about Isaac, the son whom God gave him. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Listen, God had said, no, now I'll sacrifice your son, your only son, the son whom you loved. Abraham saying, we're going to worship, and we will come back. We will come back. Abraham knew something of God's faithfulness and God's commitment to his promise that a lot of us don't, we don't even have. So he knew what God asked of him, but for some reason he knew, I, we will come back. We will come back. We will come back. On verse six, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. Now this is a wild passage because any of us who are parents can never imagine any human being doing this, and we can't really even imagine a God asking us to do this. 
But there was something so powerful that came in this moment where God, it was less about just the boy. There was a promise and a covenant and a commitment that God had with Abraham that God was testing. God was seeing, am I really, really your God? Because I know you were good with me being your God when I promised to give you a son, but am I a God when I tell you I want him back? And Abraham said, I'm going to worship my son and I will be back. And he followed it through. He had the knife in his hand. And it says in verse 7, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. So they go up to the mountain. You know the story. They go up to the mountain. Abraham is willing all the way to the point of pulling the trigger and killing his only son, offering him as a sacrifice. And an angel of God says, stop. In other words, you pass the test. You pass the test. You are willing. You are willing. Abraham said yes to God. And it was in that time where God covenanted, not just with Abraham, but that is where it sealed the deal, where God said, through you, Jesus, my son, whom I'm willing to give, will come from. In other words, God said to him, I won't require of you your son, but I will give my son. I mean, this was powerful. This is 4,000 years or so before Jesus came onto the earth. And here it is, and he's willing to offer his son, his only son. And the power of yes, where it was like, that changed the course of human history. One man's yes. One man's yes to God. I love the songs. We don't sing them enough anymore, I don't think. Not Jeff, but you know. In church, we don't sing them enough anymore. Whereas we used to sing these songs to say, Yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. Then we go, When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer will be, Yes, Lord, yes. These songs of saying, No, I'm going to say yes. Whatever you ask of me, Lord, it's a yes. Whatever you expect of me, it's a yes. Because I'm telling you, it is when it's yes people to God, miracles happen. Miraculous things take place. Jesus exemplified this in Luke chapter 22, didn't he? Jesus says at the point of giving his life, as the lamb that Abraham prophesied about, saying God will provide a lamb. Well, here's Jesus. He's about 33 years of age, and he's in this garden, and he knows in just a few moments they'll take me away. And what does Jesus pray? In verse 41, it says, And he, has with, he was withdrawn from them, his disciples, about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. In other words, he acknowledged and says, this would not be my preference. This is not what I would choose to die a sinner's death on the cross. He said, but if it's your will, let it be done. In other words, if it's your will, my answer is yes. My answer is yes. And 
my prayer for anybody who's under the sound of my voice here online who will hear it later on. If God's been poking you and prodding you about something, your answer must be yes. Yes, Lord. Even if it just grates up against all your security, all that you have, everything that you have built for your life, if God is asking for it, the answer is yes. It's yes. It's yes. You know, I think about Jonah. Jonah and the whale, and it's this, you know, sometimes it's turned into a preschool kind of fairy tale, but it wasn't a fairy tale, it was real. And Jonah was called by God to go to a city, a city called Nineveh, a very sinful, godless city, and he was called to go to Nineveh to preach repentance and tell him, if you don't turn, God's going to destroy your city. Well, it took a little while for Jonah to get there. So Jonah gets in a boat and goes what? The opposite way of Nineveh, saying, I'm not doing it. And what happens? On the boat, a storm happens, like a raging storm. And he wasn't even with people who believed in God, but they did believe in God's plural to the point where they said, somebody here is cursed. Who is it? They drew um, uh, straws to where he drew it, and they realized, it's you, you're the cursed one, and then he admitted and said, it's me. So they, he told them, throw me overboard. They didn't want to. He said, throw me overboard, it's me. Well, what cursed him? Because God told him to do something, and he said no. Now, a lot of us in our theology, we don't want to believe this anymore. We think that as soon as we just, we just pray a sinner's prayer, we get to live hell and expect to go to heaven. And God says, no, 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 no. I ask things of you. If you don't do what I ask you to do, you will live in a really bad way here. And I've seen so many people in life who live, I mean, hellish lives. And I know you can direct, you, and I'm talking about Christians, you can directly link it back to they said no to God when God was asking them to do something. And all they had to do is if you'll say yes to God, the storm will cease. And you, I mean, and people are stubborn. I don't know if I'm the only one, but anybody else besides me here a little stubborn? I have a dog that's stubborn. Now, she is as sweet and as just docile of a dog as you can, but if you, if you want her to go outside and she doesn't want to go outside, she will not go. So I literally sometimes have to, like, drag her, and she'll just, like, you know how dogs will do? She'll just stiffen her legs and she will not move. So then I had to just drag her outside and place her outside. And there she is. What? It's stubborn. She's rebellious. She's a sinful dog. No, she, But there's a stubbornness about it. But I'm like, no, you will go outside. A lot of us are like that. Where God is like, no, no, I'm telling you to go over here. And we just, I mean, we dig in. And I have watched people dig in to the point of where they're sick, they're ill. I mean, it just causes all kinds of chaos in their life. And it's like, yo. Just yield to God, and this thing's going to go a lot better. This thing's going to go a lot better for you. The power of yes. As soon as Jonah said yes to God, guess what? He threw him into the sea. God came, swallowed him with a big fish, and guess where God took him? To the place he wanted him to go originally. God didn't let him off the hook saying, you know, thanks for being willing, but never mind. No, he said, no, no, you're going to go over here and you're going to do what I told you to do. 
For some of us, it's like, you know what? We need to go back to the last thing God asked us to do and just say, yes. Yes. Yes, I will do what you asked me to do. Yes, I will do what you called us to do. I remember being in a meeting recently. Well, actually, it was several months ago. And somebody was bringing up something and they were like, you know, you have to be willing to do whatever God's called you to do. And this is the cost that it might take. And it was awesome because in the moment I could genuinely say, oh, I'm willing. I've, I already made the decision that whatever God asked me to do, I will do it. So when it came time to move my family across the country and to say yes to that, the move was a lot harder than saying yes. In other words, saying yes and yielding to God was, the, was now the easy part because I'd already decided God owns my life. God owns me. Matthew 10, verse 38 and 39, Jesus said, And he who does not take his cross and follow me, follow after me, is not worthy of me. And he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. I'm going to read that last verse again. He who finds his life, that person will lose it. Every pop culture book about find your life, find your best life, do, do what you want to do, fulfill your dreams, follow your heart. No, you're going, those people will lose it. Because Jesus said, if you want your life, you got to lose it for my sake. Jesus was radical. I'm pretty sure Jesus would not be welcomed back into a lot of churches. I don't want to be mean, but I'm just saying, Jesus preached some kind of cray-cray stuff where he said, no, no, if you want your life, you're going to have to lose it to me. You're going to have to give it to me. This is a human being. This, this wasn't Jesus who had risen from the dead and ascended on high yet. This was Jesus in the flesh teaching his people and said, no, you're going to want to find your life. You're going to have to lose it for my sake. <laughs> Can you imagine? You're like, okay, Jesus, uh, whatever you say. But yet he preached it and he fully meant it. You're going to have to surrender. 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 See, to me, surrender is not just one-time prayer when you decide to become a Christian as some sort of religious thing. Surrender is daily. Paul said this. He says, I, Paul, I die daily. And I can relate. You ever woke up in the morning and you're like, hmm, this is not the day, Jesus. I don't want to go to church today. I'm just going to make a confession. There has been at least one time in my life where I woke up on Sunday morning and I just felt like, not today, Jesus. Please don't make me go to church today, right? Why? Because there's still a part of me that has to die today. And to where I shrug that off and say, no, 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 that part of me doesn't get to live anymore. You're dead. You're gone. <laughs> uh, another scripture says to live, uh, to, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, when I live, it's for Jesus. It's for Jesus. It's for Jesus. And so we say yes to him. Yes to his will. Yes to his way. You know, a lot of times when I'm in prayer, a lot of times I'll just repeatedly say yes, yes, yes. Yes, and I'll just tell the Lord, yes. And I'm just, I'm in my own heart and my own spirit. I'm saying yes to God. I'm pushing up against all that flesh that wants to say no. 
No, I don't want to move. No, I don't want to do this. No, I don't want to go there. No, I don't want to say that to that person. No, I don't want to minister to that person. No, I don't want to approach that random person in the mall and ask them if they need prayer. You know, So what do I have to do? I have to push up against all of that in prayer and constantly say, not my will, but yours be done. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. Yes, 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 yes. Every time God moves powerfully through a human being in scripture is when they said yes to him. It's it, even the weak people. Can I can I take a couple more minutes on this? Okay, I'm going to take it anyways. No, but I, can I take a couple minutes to explain with Gideon? Gideon, he was he he called himself. He said, "I'm the I'm the smallest of the smallest of the smallest. I'm the smallest dude in the smallest family in the smallest tribe of all of Israel." And yet the angel of God shows up to him and says, "You're it, bud." In fact, he found Gideon hiding because he was too afraid to be a part of the war. He found him hiding. And he called him, oh, you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, who are you talking to? I'm the least of the least of the least of the least. And Gideon was so chicken that he did what we now know as putting out a fleece before God. He, that's where it comes from. He put out and said, okay, well, if it's really you, then I'm going to put out this fleece and you're going to put dew on it. And that's how I'm going to know. And then the other's like, okay, I'm going to put out the fleece. And if it's totally dry, then I'm going to know it's you. And he kept this thing going where it's like, I'm going to keep testing and testing to see why. Because he was chicken. And yet this chicken eventually came to the realization of having to say, okay, this must be God. I'm going to say yes to him. And that chicken went all the way through with it. And God used him in mighty, miraculous, powerful ways. And you see it time after time after time where God would tell people, go here, do this, say this, go to this person, go to that place. And they would do it and God would show up. So I have good news for you. When you say yes to God, you can fully expect he will show up in the place that he told you to go and the thing that he told you to do. He will show up. I remember Elijah the prophet. Elijah the prophet, there was a famine in the land that he called for, by the way. God said, call for a famine. He called for a famine, so the rain didn't come. The crops didn't grow. And therefore, since there were no crops, all the animals died. I mean, this was a bad deal. And God said, but for you, you go over to this brook and the ravens, the birds will feed you in that place. Well, guess where the food was? In the place God told him to go. If he decided, no, I'm going to go over here to this other place. Guess what? He had starved. Why? Because provision, what he needed was where God told him to go. And I, I just know that I know that I know for some of us. When we experience lack, we need to go to God and say, you know what? Uh, apparently, I'm in the wrong place. I got off track because I, where I am, I should be where you told me to be. And where you told me to be, there should be enough. There should be what I need in that place. So for us, it's good news. When you say yes to God, he will show up in that place. So here's what I'm excited about. I'm excited to be in Hagerstown. Why? Because God told me to be here. And I have full expectation that God is in this place. He is here. And so I don't care if two people show up, 100 people show up, 500 people, 1,000 people, 5,000 people. 
to me, it makes no difference in the sense that I already know that God is in this. So I don't need somebody else to affirm me. I don't need somebody else to come and pat me on the back. Why? Because I already know how this thing works. When God tells you to go and you go, he shows up. The power of your yes is unbelievable. Isaiah chapter 58. I'm going to close on this scripture. Isaiah chapter 58. This is on fasting. This really gives a contrast. I won't show where it says God's like, that's not the fast that I chose. But I do want to show you where God says, this is the fast that I chose for you. And he says in verse 58, verse 6, or chapter 58, verse 6, is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness? In other words, God's saying, if you really want to serve me, this is what you'll do. You'll loose the bonds of wickedness to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And that you bring to your house, hello, to your house, to your home, to your dwelling place, the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, you cover him and not hide your, your, yourself from your own flesh. Then, listen, this is his promise. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Verse 9, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. When? After you've taken care of these people. After you do, honestly, it's this. After you do what God's asked you to do. Because somebody will say, oh, I need to go feed the poor. Well, maybe, maybe that's exactly what God's asking you to do. Maybe you're supposed to be a part of helping people. But either way, when you do what God asks you to do, your healing will break out. God will be your rear guard. And then this. You shall call and I'll answer. Why do we fast? Why are we in this prayer mode? Is because it is promised. When you call, I will answer. I will answer. And listen to this. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. And if you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as noonday. See, a lot of the issues that we're facing in our city, in our culture, is not because the world is too dark. It's because the church is not bright enough. It's because Christians are not bright enough. Because God promises, when you're about my business, your light will break out. Your light will cause it to be as bright as in the middle of the day. This is God's promise. Verse 11, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones and you shall be like a watered garden. I love that. The Lord will guide you how often? Continually. In, in other words, enough with these lapses where, Jeff, will you go? Yeah. So enough of these lapses where there's, well, I, I'm not quite clear on where God wants me to be. I'm not clear on what God wants me to do. Enough of that. It says that God will guide you continually, continually, continually. I will guide you continually, continually. And you satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations 
and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. This is God's promise to them. He's saying, listen, when you fast, when you pray, when you seek my face, I will answer and your light will break out. In other words, you're going to be known. You're going to be obvious. People are going to come to you. Isaiah chapter 60 says this. It says, arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And then it says this. It says, Gentiles, or people who don't believe in God, they will come to what? The brightness of your rising. And some of us, we are so dark ourselves, nobody is attracted to that. Nobody's attracted to gloomy, dark Christians. And here's, it's practical. Here's how it goes. Have you ever gotten around people who are a little bit like Eeyore is their spirit animal? Animal? I don't believe in spirit animal. But you know what I mean. Like they're, they're Eeyore-ish, right? They're like, I don't know. How are you doing? I'm okay. How's life? It's all right. What are you doing today? Not much. What'd you do for your ears? Nothing. Right? E- Eeyore. And you know, that you really don't want to be around people like that. But who do you want to be around? People who have faith, people who have courage, people who have life, people who have strength, people who have something inside of them that you want. And the Bible's saying that's how it will be. When you uh, stretch yourself and you help others and you participate in the things that God's asked you to do, your light will rise. It will happen. And I know that 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 I know this about our church. If we will do what God's asked us to do, the light of Jesus Christ will shine out of us. Not out of this building, out of us. Out of us. This is true for every person who's online right now. It will shine out of you. It will come out so that in every conversation, there's light in that conversation. There should be no conversation throughout the week where you feel like, uh, I didn't really add much to that. No, every person you come across, there should be light in the middle of this conversation. Why? Because you're there. Because you're there. Do not be the type of person that is more like a thermometer than a thermostat. You are called to be a thermostat. Do you know the difference? Thermometers just tell what the temperature is. Oh, it's 68 degrees, right? Thermostats say, no, it will be 68 degrees. And here we go. I'm turning up the heat, right? There's a lot of people who are thermometers. They come in, they're like, oh, it's just so cold. This is, that person, it just doesn't feel good in here. Well, then be the thermometer and turn up the heat or the thermostat. Be the thermostat and turn it up. Make it change. That's what saying yes to God will do. When you say yes to God and you step onto the scene, he will show up. Come on, anybody else agree and believe this, that when you say yes to him, he will show up. So there was those two things, the power of no. Some of the most powerful things that you can say in your life is sometimes say no to other people. No, you cannot have my time. No, you cannot have my energy. No, you cannot have my resources. No, I will not bow down to your idols. No, I will not give in to your sin. No, I will not give in to those things that everybody else says is okay, but God says it's not okay. No. And then Sometimes the exact thing that you need to say, especially when God is asking, is we say yes to God. We say yes to God every time. 
And when you're that person who's been resisting and resist, I don't want to say no, I don't want to say yes to him. What if he doesn't take care of me? What if he's upset at me? What if he's mad at me? What if I've gone too far? Just surrender. Anybody know that old song that says, I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my precious Savior. I surrender all. I'm not a singer, but I love that I surrender I surrender I surrender I surrender I think about Saul Saul became the apostle Paul okay he wrote most of the New Testament Saul resisted God to the point that he was murdering Christians killing Christians off just killing them off and guess what God found Saul on the road kicked him off of his donkey and the, the, the conversation between Jesus and Saul was this. Why do you kick against the goats? In other words, why do you keep resisting me? Why do you keep pushing me away? How don't you know that I'm the one who's drawing you closer? And as soon as he yielded himself and uh, surrendered to God, God showed up on the scene. And that became the greatest apostle of the New Testament who went on missionary journeys and took the gospel to Asia and to other parts of the world. Somebody who had been resisting and resisting and resisting and resisting and resisting. As soon as they said yes, it broke loose and the gospel went crazy. That's what we're called to. That's what we're called to. That's what we're called to. I want to pray for us today. I wish I could take the time just to preach and maybe we'll get into it next week, but where it says those from among you shall build the old waste places. In other words, God says you'll be so influential that not only are you the one helping your community, not, are, not only are you the one who's like, but now those from among you, they'll build the old places that are broken down. And God's not talking about buildings as much as he is people. When I go out on the streets and I see a community full of people who are broken down, I take responsibility. That is now my responsibility. I may have just moved here, but now it is my responsibility. And guess what? My prayer is that those from among me, including you, will build the old waste places. Those people who have been lost and are broken and are hurting and addicted and poor, and uh, depressed, and hopeless. My prayer is that we will have a community of people who build up those old places. Don't ridicule them, not calling them out, call, saying everything that's wrong with them. No, we're going to build them up, and we will be the restorer of streets to dwell in. That will be our job. That'll be the mark on this church. Why? Because we surrendered to God, we said yes to him, and we prayed that he would do it. So I want you to close your eyes right where you're at. We're going to pray. It's not as important in this moment what comes out of my mouth as a prayer. It's way more important what comes out of your mouth as a prayer. A surrender to God. Maybe you're not the person who's been kicking and kicking against God, but maybe you are. Maybe your no to God has been a lot more passive-aggressive, and yet God is pointing it out and saying, no, 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 no. I need you to say yes to me today. 
For others of us, maybe it's you've been saying yes to people when you should have been saying no to people. And it's time to start drawing boundaries and lines and telling people, no, I, I, won't, I won't serve that. I'm not going to get into that. That's not for me. Go ahead, right where you're at. Begin just to make a commitment to God, even if it's, I surrender to you, Lord. I offer my life to you. I say yes to your will and yes to your way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We say yes to you today. We say yes to you today. Have your way in this place, Lord. Have your way in our life. In fact, maybe if we do this, why don't you just stand right where you're at? And when you stand, again, just raise your hand. Just raise a hand to God, just saying yes, 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 yes. Yes to your will, yes to your way. Come on. Every person, say it out loud. Say yes. Come on, say it. Yes. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. Come on, say it again. Yes. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. Come on, say it a third time. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. Lord, we say yes to you. We break the power of our own will. We break the power of our own flesh. We break that resistance. We break all rebellion. And we say yes to you. My life is completely surrendered to you. Wherever you ask me to go, I will go. Whatever you ask me to say, I will say. Whoever you ask me to, to, to give to, I will give. I hold nothing back. I give it all to you. I surrender. I surrender. Hallelujah. I surrender. Yes, yes, yes. I say yes to you, Lord. Hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but as soon as we prayed that, I felt a shift in my own heart. A shift just means like a, an adjustment. That has to happen every day. <laughs> I wish it was a once and done thing. I wish as soon as I surrendered, I never had to think about it again. It's not true. Tomorrow, I will wake up and I will be me again. And I'm going to have to, in the morning, say, I surrender today, all of it. All of it. My will, my way, I surrender it. And here's where you're going to find it. You're going to find it in the details. It may not be some cataclysmic change in your life. It's just going to be like, no, you're just nicer. <laughs> you, you're, you're nicer to people. You're happier. You, you, you extend yourself more. You give more. You don't, you're not as stingy. You don't have, maybe you're not as selfish. And it's these little adjustments, but yet inside you know everything changed because I surrendered, I gave up. So come on, just one more time and then, then we're done. Just say, I surrender, Lord. I surrender, Lord. I surrender, Lord. I surrender, Lord. I surrender, Lord, all to you, Lord. I surrender it. I give it up. I don't hold anything back. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that according to your word, that whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So I thank you today that as we lose our life in you, 
that we will find it. We'll find the purpose for which we were born. We will find the good works which scripture says you prepared beforehand. We will walk in the things that you prepared before we were even born, before we ever set foot on this earth. Glory to God. Do your work in our life, Lord. Break loose any kind of traditions and religion and old ways of thinking and things that aren't even in the word of God or in scripture. Break them off of us as we spend time in fasting and prayer. Glory to your name, Lord. I love you, Lord. And Lord, I bless every person here, every person watching online. I pray that these 21 days of fasting and prayer will be extraordinary, will be miraculous, will be full of breakthroughs, full of answered prayers, full of clarity in the name of Jesus. And I pray that your light will break out of us and people will see the difference. They'll know that we're changing because of what you're doing in our life. I pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. If you agree, with you say amen? Come on, say amen. 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 All right. Well, Bible study is Wednesday night. We'd love to see you there right here at 7 p.m. or next Sunday at 10 a.m. God bless you. Have a great week. Bye, everybody online. We miss you. Can't wait to see you again as soon as you can. You are dismissed. Bless you.